fun. Certainly glad you chose to be here at Putnamville Baptist Church tonight. If we would uh, grab a hymn book and turn to hymn number 459 for our first song tonight. Number 459. Don't get there too fast because I'm not there yet. Got it. Leaning on the Everlasting Arms, 459.
to again uh, let you know I appreciate you being here this evening and uh, as they're getting ready maybe someone got a word of testimony someone got a word of testimony something they want to praise the Lord for okay go ahead got a word of testimony. I won't leave, leave anyone out. If, yes, go ahead, Ms. Karen. Thank you for being with me the last few months. And I can see Jerry up in hand right now. Look at those two boys that just ran ear to ear because Amen. they are serving the Lord with their music. Amen. 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 Yeah, I believe so. I, I bet I would probably assume, and uh, if I was a bet man, I would say it's probably uh, shout a little bit. Jerry was known to shout a little bit and get excited. So we appreciate that testimony. So someone else. Yes, Jennifer. I want to praise God for protecting me. Friday, I was on Veterans Highway there in Greencastle, and this guy just, he didn't stop or anything. He just started out in front of me, and I had the right way to go. So I almost had to swerve and turn or something to keep from getting hit me. 
very praise to my mother to just, I've got to keep praying for her because I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but um, she has promised to come to church, so I asked her mother if she would pray for her. If you keep praying for her, please. She's great to me. Someone else? Yes, Ken. I just want to acknowledge God in, in, for all the little things. Uh, just as uh, Brother Harlan was saying, we need to acknowledge Him in all of our ways. And yesterday, I spent the whole day out working in the yard and doing little things. But more than once, I had to just, you know, it's just little things. But God's, God's there in the little things, what you do. But, you know, I, I was getting towards the end, and I didn't have any extra gas. And I didn't want to run out of gas. I asked God, can you just let it hold out until I get finished? You know, because I didn't want to have to get the car and go to gas. Little things, but he honored it. Kept it going and kept it down and wrapped up. That's, that's just one example. There's just little things throughout the day that I'm just crazy for. At the end of the day, I'm still upright and walking, and I thank you for that, you know, because it was a long day. And it ended up, I don't know, I think I had 31,000 steps when I got done at the end of the day, so, you know. But God was faithful. I felt good at the end of the day, and I praised him for it. You know, and that's the little things. I want to acknowledge him in all the little things. Because it's every little thing that adds up. I mean, just taking taking the kids hiking today. I praise God that we can make it through. Yeah, seven girls was tough, but you know, <laughs> uh, I survived. And I praise God for the joy that He gives me and being able to get up and go. Mm -hmm. Little things. I just want to acknowledge them whenever do. Mm -hmm. Someone else? Yes, say. Um, I just want to thank the Lord for the opportunity I've had to be raised in church. I don't know anything else. Um, but you, you take being raised in church, people that were raised in church, it's, it's hard to start to take a lot of things for granted. Like that verse from the early news this morning. I've heard that verse, I think, one of two backwards and it's upside down. I've heard that my whole life. But never have I thought about that phrasing. Involving him in everything. And it's so simple in a passage you've all heard for years. And it's thankful Brother Riley was Follow the Lord's leading in that, but just showing me something new and something I've heard my whole life, you know, just thankful he's just needs. I thank the Lord for that message this morning, but it reminded me back when I was first saved, I said yes to the Lord Jesus Christ in 1976. January 14th, I said, there's a lot of people. Back to what Tim was saying, I, sometimes I wish that. <laughs> I praise Him for the Word of God and how powerful it is and how He just brings it to, to my mind in every situation. I don't care what it is. There's always a scripture flowing through there. And it's from reading. And it's from His power, though. I mean, the word is just amazing. It's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Chris. Fine. If everybody's in your testimony, <laughs> I'm going to outdo him. Look, I just thank God for saving a wretched, vile sinner like me, dragging me out of the darkness into the light, choosing me, calling me, drawing me, uh, sanctifying me, glorifying me. I can't say enough. Yeah. <clears throat> Sounds good. Better than what we deserve. Yes, Well, thank the Lord for answering prayers this morning. 
deserves all glory and praise. Everything that's said tonight, uh, all the praises, he gets the glory. Uh, we need to uh, all remember that, that he's the one that gets the glory. And I appreciate the good testimonies uh, about my, my good God. And uh, thank you again for being here this evening. I'm going to preach a message tonight about abundant life. Abundant life. And uh, how many in this room believe that they are blessed? We all feel blessed. And that word, and we're going to be in Psalm 1 this evening, very familiar portion of Scripture, but the Lord dealt with me about this. And uh, um, I believe that people are searching for happiness. Would you agree with me? I mean, nobody wants to be miserable all their life. They're seeking happiness, and some try to find it in a bottle. I talked to a man this last week and went and visited him in the hospital and told him who I was. It was a family member of somebody in our church, and, and it just broke my heart. I went in there, and uh, I said, Hi, I'm Pastor Rick Brown from Putnamville Baptist Church, and I'm uh, so-and-so's fa- uh, pastor. And, 
And they say, he says, well, how the blank are you? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm doing all right. And every other word was blank word. And uh, I, I just, he told me about his life. And I think he was trying to run me off, but he saw that he couldn't run me off. So I just sat there and witnessed to him and, and uh, um, talked to him a little bit and shared the love of Christ with him. And this man's on his deathbed. He's 39 years old. Um, probably, if he makes it throughout this week, I'd be surprised. He has less than 10% of his heart working. And uh, he checked himself out of the hospital the other day. And uh, when I was there, a few couple hours later, he checked himself out of the hospital only to come home. And uh, doctors think that he, he got high. Um, but only to come home, he fainted and had to go back into the hospital. And uh, sat there and talked to him, and he, he was trying to tell me he was saved, and there was just, just the filth and the things that he surrounded his, his life around. I mean, he was talking about all the things that he's done, and, and, uh, and I, I was telling him, I said, you know, we, we all have a, a horrible, horrible past, um, but God can, God's the one that is on the throne, and he's the one that saves, and uh, he's the one that changes lives. And, uh, but I believe he was trying to find happiness in meth. He was trying to find it in women, trying to find it in drugs. And he even told me about money that he had at one point in time. And I believe people are looking for happiness in all the wrong places. They're trying to find it in everything and anything. But true happiness and true joy comes from the Lord. You might find pleasure in sin for a season. The Bible says that. You know, as he was drugging it up, I'm sure he had uh, the world's view of pleasure. But it wasn't true joy and abundant life. Some try to find it in the bottle, some in money, possessions. Try to find it in a maid or a job. But true happiness and joy comes from the Lord. The Bible says that in blessed in Psalm 32, too, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to give you a few verses. It says, Blessed is a man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. That means that sin is not on our account there, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Uh, Psalm 34, 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is a man that trusteth in him. Psalm 41, verse 1, Blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. Psalm 84:12 O Lord of hosts blessed is a man that trusteth in thee. All four of these verses and I can give you many more talk about have this quote blessed is the man. That word blessed means happy. It means uh, happy is the man. I mean there's joy, there's true happiness found there. Too often we're guilty of taking these verses uh, for granted. Uh, it's like saying sugar is sweet. Or water's wet. I mean, yeah, blessed is the man. Uh, we kind of take it for granted. Everybody knows that, blessed is the man. That Even though happiness is promised in the word of God, many people look at happiness as a, just a temporary thrill. A, uh, that is, uh, that's a false look of, of happiness. And true Bible happiness is permanent, a permanent experience. The Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10, The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. 
I believe Christ, God wants us to have life and to have it more abundantly, to enjoy life. Tonight I want to look at that thought, abundant life. And uh, if you're going to be happy in the manner God intends for you to be, we must do these three things and, and I'll have the message. Let's read Psalm 1. It says, Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in a season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, again, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the good testimonies we heard about your love, your mercy, and your grace. And God, I ask tonight that you would be with us, that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, that we would, uh, Lord, I know each one of us in this room want to have that abundant life. And Lord, you give us the formula right here in your word. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that we'll take this and, and apply it to our lives. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do. We give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor that comes from it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to give you three thoughts tonight. Number one, in order to have this abundant life, number one, I see that we need to avoid sin. I, I tell you, someone has said it, and I think they said it well, sin will cost you more than you want to pay. It'll take you further than you want to go, and it'll keep you longer than you want to stay. Sin is, it is deadly. It's costly. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. It's going to cost us. Sin does have consequences. There in the, the Bible, it says here in Psalm 1-1, Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Notice all the negative aspects there. It says, walketh not. It says, nor standeth in the way. And it says, nor sitteth in the seat. And if you're going to have live a happy Christian life, you must avoid sin. Why? Because sin, I'm telling you, sin is a separator. It separates us from God. It separates us from man. It separates. Sin is a divider. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from all appearances of evil. Christians, what we want to do today is we want to walk the line. We want, to, uh, we want to just get as close to the things of this world as we can. And I'm telling you, the Bible teaches us to abstain from all appearances of evil. Not to get close to it, to run away from it, not to, uh, not to wash our hands with it, to get away from those things that are evil. If we're going to avoid sin, there must, uh, we must avoid what causes sin. What is it that causes sin? Look there, it says, walketh not in the counsel of the, God, uh, the ungodly. We need to avoid sinful counsel. Sinful counsel. This is like saying sugar sweet. We all know that, right? We need to avoid sinful counsel. We know that we should avoid the wrong kind of counsel. However, we do the opposite. What happens when there's sin in our life and we, uh, we come across the problem? Most of the time, what we do is we run to our friends that have the same problems. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to counsel you the wrong way. We need to avoid sinful counsel. Perhaps you seek counsel by listening to Dr. Phil. You know, Dr. Phil... He may be smart, you may think that. Um, he may be psychologically correct, I don't know, uh, maybe sometimes, but he gives sinful counsel. 
You say, what do you mean? Well, I just happened to pass through and, and see uh, this on Dr. Phil and, and how he was talking about uh, this different kinds of lifestyles with, uh, you know, of, of having uh, a wife, but seeing other people on the side or just doing different things such as wicked, ungodly lifestyles. And he says, you know, basically if you're happy and you just be happy and live your life. And folks, that's wrong. That's sinful counsel. There's nothing in the Word of God that teaches that way. We need to avoid that kind of wrongful acts. And, you know, the only kind to get the right, only way we can get right counsel 100% of the time is get it from the Word of God. We need to seek our counsel from the Word of God. If we want to be correct 100% of the time, get it from God's Word. Not only do we need to avoid sinful counsel, but also it says, nor standeth in the way of sinners. We need to avoid sinful companions. You say, well, Pastor, aren't we supposed to talk and witness to people? Yeah, we are, we are to witness and talk to people. What this means is not to follow in their leadership or uh, not following after sinners the way they go. Don't make them your closest friends. I've said this many times. I tell our teenagers this. And if uh, listen, this is what I tell our teenagers, and they've heard of me in, in, uh, in uh, church. They've heard me whenever we had our school. But I tell them it's easier for the world to drag us down than it is for us to pull them out. You say, well, I don't, I don't believe that, Pastor. I think we ought to. It's all about witnessing. And I, Hey, you won't find somebody that wants to witness more than I do. I think we ought to witness. But can I tell you this? If, we are, if I'm on top of this roof right here, and I don't care how, how strong and mighty I am, and if I had little Jada down at the bottom, I guarantee you she has more leverage to pull me down than for me to pull her up. It's going to be a lot easier for her to pull me down. And folks, this is what happens. This is what is happening in our world. We want to live as close to the world and we want to become so much like the world and say, hey, we're witnessing. We're trying to win our friends. We're trying to do this. What we're trying to do is become more like the world. I believe Brother Moon said it here a few years ago whenever we had him. He said 30 years ago, uh, whenever the church was at this point in our lives uh, and, and now we were right here 30 years ago and the world was way over here. Now, 30 years later, this is a church, and here's the world. It's, we've kept our distance, but we're still, we're moving with the world. Right. And folks, we're becoming more and more like the world, and we need to avoid sinful companions. I know that Jesus made company with sinners, but he did not make them as close as companions. Neither should we. My old pastor used to say this, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck... It's probably a duck. Now, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say this, that if we hang out with those type of people, before you know it, we're going to walk and talk like a duck. Say, oh, no, that pastor, that will never happen to me. I'm more spiritual than that. You better, be, you better be, uh, uh, beware because take heed lest you fall. You'll begin to live your Christian life one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And the first thing you know, you'll be turned away from, clear away from the things of God. Why? Because it's easier. Can I tell you, it's easier. How many thought it was so easy to get up and go to church this morning when they could have slept in? Anyone thought it was so, I mean, they were just looking forward to it. Anybody? Come on, be honest. A couple. I'm, praise the Lord for you too. I can tell you, 
I did not say, oh, man, goody, goody, it was so excited. I want to get up at 5.30 this morning and go to church. I can tell you when the alarm clock went off, I was thinking, oh, man, I just want to sleep for another hour. Why? Because it's easier to do, it's easier to do the things that we shouldn't do. And it's a lot harder to do the things that we should do such as read our Bible, such as going to church when the church doors are open. I'm telling you, you know, what, happens is one, what happens is we miss one day. And I, I'm not talking about vacations, special occasions. I'm not talking about those type of things. I'm talking about just missing to miss church. And before you know it, the first time you miss, okay. Second time, it's a little bit easier. The third time, it's easier. Before you know it, you're like, man, this is just, it's just easy. let's just watch TV preaching. And before you know it, you won't even watch that. I'm just telling you, I know the vicious cycle that happens. One foot in the world, one foot in the church. You'll begin doing that. What will happen is you'll get, you'll get all out of church and the preacher will come and try to convince you that, hey, you need to get back in church, you need to get right with God and these things. And what will happen is you'll get mad at the preacher and... Uh, and never go back to church again. You say, oh, come on, preacher. How many know people like that? Honestly, you know people that have gotten out of church because something the preacher said? or Yeah, we all know people like that. You know I'm telling you the truth. Some people go out with their, their, their work friends. And, hey, listen, there's nothing wrong with having friends and people from work. But I'm telling you this. When they start dragging you down, that's when you stop. That's when you avoid them. Say, Pastor, you're being awful pretty straightforward tonight. Yeah, because I'm telling you what happens is in a Christian life, people are being drug away from the things of this world, into the things of this world. It's happening. I'm seeing it. Some people go out with their work friends and it becomes a deterrent to their Christian walk. Their friends encourage them to do the wrong things, say the wrong things, be the wrong kind of things. Before you know it, you're acting just like the world. I know what I'm talking about. Why? Because it wasn't too long ago when I was working in the secular world and I had friends that I wanted to, I wanted to, be, I wanted to be like just like everybody else. And I can tell you, the Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate. Nowhere in the word of God are we commanded to try to change sinners by associating with them. The only thing that will change them is the Lord. Hey, can, I, I, I'm, I'm not saying that we're not to uh, you know, pray with them and, and encourage them. But when you got, start going down that slippery slope and you start acting like them and talking like them and listening to their filthy jokes and doing that, I'm telling you, it's going to take you places that you shouldn't go. The next thing I want you to notice is avoid sinful contempt. The Bible says the seed of the scornful, those who make light of holiness and, and decency. Uh, there's things on TV, folks, we ought not be watching. I'm, I'm feeling like I need to hide behind this pulpit or something. You know, there's, you know, there's some things that are on TV that are wicked. The Christian ought not to watch. People are, are putting, things, putting things in their living room. I'm not saying all TV programs are wrong. I'm not saying it's hard to find good ones. 
But can I tell you, you know, they make light of holiness and decency. Saturday Night Live. Every talk show out there, I mean, the Jerry Center or Springer show. I mean, this stuff, I mean, it's wickedness. They're, they're teaching things that, that we, shouldn't, we shouldn't even apply them in our lives. We shouldn't have anything to do with them. They make light of God and, and they, they make light of uh, the programs that make light of family values. They make fun of, of the man being the, supposed to be the head of the house. And they want to make the, the kids or, or, or the, the moms being the head of the house. The men, we need to be the spiritual leaders. Get a backbone, men. Be the spiritual leaders of your home and lead your family. See, it's because, because men in high places have made light of the very values that have granted us our strength for hundreds of years. And Christians are letting it filter into their homes, into their living rooms, into their internets and through their, uh, through their, their computers. Folks, I, I'm just going to say this. We need to put protections out, out there. Say, oh, pastor, I don't need those, those guards. Yes, you do, and so do I. We need those protections. We need those things. I've listened to that. And listen, I've listened to all kinds of filth on TV, and it's hard to find anything on TV anymore. I can tell you this, most of the time you have to mute the commercials because of the wickedness. that The propaganda that, that is tr- being filtered through our... Listen, it's, our children are hearing it. And you think about it. You think about this for a moment. You that have been raised in Christian homes most of your life, would your parents ever have allowed that filth to come through the TV airways or the radio airways? No, they wouldn't. Why are we? I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean or ugly tonight. I'm just trying to warn us. And we want to live, we want to have happiness and have the abundant life. What are we willing to sacrifice? We need to avoid sin, sinful counsel, sinful contempt. Then number two, we need to absorb scriptures. We need to absorb, look there in verse 2, it says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. You avoid sin by absorbing scriptures. Miss Donna said it tonight how she says everything in life, there's a scripture that comes flowing to her mind. Why is that? Why is it that the scriptures come to her mind? Because she's in the word of God. Folks, if we're not in the word of God, scriptures aren't going to come flooding to our minds. Many of us are guilty of not even knowing much of the scriptures. Why? Not because we're not smart it's because we're not in god's word we need to absorb the absorb the the scriptures get out of the sewer and into the scriptures psalm 19 7 says the law of the lord is perfect converting the soul the temp, uh, the testimony of the lord is sure making wise the simple you know the scriptures tell us where we come from and where we're going in the beginning god created the heaven and the earth No, there's nothing in there. Can I tell you what our schools are teaching today? If you're not aware of it, they're teaching evolution. Evolution isn't of God. The Big Bang Theory, the only big, you've heard me say this, the only Big Bang Theory I believe it is, God spoke it and bang, there it was. That's the only Big Bang Theory I believe in. And folks, I'm telling you, that's what's happening in many schools today is that we're teaching evolution. God said, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. 
But it also tells us not where, just from where we came from, but where we're going. Can I tell you, the Bible teaches that there's a heaven and there's a hell. There's only two, one of two places you're going to go when you die. For the Christian to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. For the lost, they will spend eternity in a devil's hell. But also, think about this. Man's books change, but God's word never changes. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 119.89, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. My uh, man's books of teachings change often. I can remember the, my high school books. They're not, in, they're not in writing anymore, not because I'm that old, but because science changes that often. God never changes. He changes not. You know, there are certain areas of science that were taught 25 years ago that aren't true today. Did you realize that? New galaxies have been discovered in the last few years. Solar systems have changed. Medical sciences have changed. Treatment for some medical problems today is totally different than it was 30 to 40 years ago. I remember I had my gallbladder taken out. You know what they used to do? They used to coach you, cut you wide open to get your gallbladder. You know, they took like three little instruments, and I think one was a scope, and one, I don't know, my wife could tell you, one fills you with air or something, I don't know, and but I had three little bitty scars like this before, years ago. What'd they do? They, Brother Travis, did you have it done? I was thinking someone had it done. They was telling me they cut you clear across, all the way across you. Medical science has changed, but God never changes. The Bible says, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every, uh, uh, every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Man's delight. The Bible says his delight is in the law of the Lord. You know, that's his desire, his delight, his desires in the law of the Lord. The definition of delight is this. Pleasure, desire, delight, things desire, matter, pleasant, pleasanture, pl uh, purpose, and willingly. If we delight in his word, then there should be a time. Let me say this, folks. There should be a time that we get in God's word and read it daily. We say, oh, yeah, I oh, how I love thy words, uh, how I love thy testimonies are true. Oh, how I love God's word. But we never open it up during the day. Folks, if we have a delight in God's word, then we'll get in it every day. I mean, I'm not talking about reading it cover to cover. I'm talking about reading a, a few verses. I mean, it's, it's, it's more important than your daily bread. You know, good practice that was taught to me by Christie's grandpa was a Bible before breakfast. That's what he lived by, Bible before breakfast. You don't eat until you, and when we went down there, there was many times that what we would do uh, to make sure that everybody was in their Bible before, what we would do is we would read a psalm. We'd sit around the table and we'd read a psalm and we would pass the Bible around through the, through the, at the dinner table. But he made sure everybody had Bible before breakfast. Well, that's a good, good rule of thumb. And his word, if his word is our delight, then there should be a time that we memorize. Memorize maybe one passage or one, one scripture a week, a month. Just memorize God's word. It ensures Christian, the Christian life. The Bible says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Memorizing God's word will help eliminate sin in our life. You can memorize the entire sections or chapters or uh, just parts or whatever, but memorize God's Word. Then also, if you delight in His Word, then there should be a time that you meditate. 
take one thought and get, when you're in your scriptures and, and take one thought. For example, Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Take that and, and think about this, the Lord. Think about what, what is the Lord? He's the, uh, he's the a self-existent one. In the New Testament, he's the, the Christ, the Lord. Think about that and then break it down. The Lord is, is. He's, right now he is and he always will be. And you just start ta- talking about that. He is my shepherd. What does a shepherd do? He protects. He provides. And, and you just break it down and start thinking about that and meditating on those thoughts throughout the day. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And you just start thinking about that one verse of the day. And, you, and I, I promise you, as you meditate on those things and you just think, oh, the Lord is my shepherd. As my shepherd, he's provided my every need. There's not a need that I, I, that I have that God hasn't provided. You know, as my shepherd, he's my protector. He's protected me from the, the wiles of the devil. And you just start thinking about that, meditating over those things. His law, the Bible, the Bible says his delight is in the law of the Lord. He reads, he memorizes, he meditates in it, the word of God daily. The word of God becomes a vital part of every every. your everyday life but then I want you to notice the last thing here number three is achieve success look there in verse three it says and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season his leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper I've noticed some things about this in order to achieve success we're planted look there it says and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of of water. You know who planted us there? God did. And why did he plant us by the rivers of water? And think about this, a cedar tree never plants itself. When you got saved, you were planted by the rivers of water. There will always be plenty of water. Always be plenty of nutrition that you need. Everything you need right there by the rivers of water. All that you need for growth will be furnished to you through the rivers of water. Being planted, you know what else? Being planted, it expects, it gives you an expectancy of growth. And now, unless you're my wife, when you plant something, it, it tends to grow. Um, my wife has a black thumb. There's no green thumb. It's a black thumb. She has no, I mean, she can, she could kill a, ca- a cactus, okay? I mean, you don't have to give it water or anything. Am I being honest? Yeah. All right. Every plant that she's ever got, I mean, I don't give her flowers, I don't give her plants because they're just going to die. It's going to happen. Huh? Dandelion. A dandelion. It doesn't matter. Weeds. She can kill weeds. And, uh, but anyways, you know, the thing about that is the Lord, the Lord put us by the rivers of water for a purpose, that we would grow. How we would grow thereby. He expects growth to take place. There are many things that have, uh, there's, there are many that have been saved for years, and there's still that small sapling as when they were saved. Never, no growth. Can I tell you, God intends for us to grow. Progressive sanctification. We were here one day, and listen, the next day, maybe you're not uh, all the way up here yet, but yeah, there should be a progressive growth in our lives folks someone has said this if you're uh, if you're the same place you are a year ago then you're backslidden 
Folks, we need to be continuing to grow. God expects that. But not only are we planted, but we are to be productive. The Bible says that, bringeth forth his fruit in his season. The Bible says in John 15, 8, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. I remember when I was a kid, my Aunt Pauline, uh, she had some fruit trees out in her backyard. And she gave us permission that when those fruit trees uh, those fruit trees would uh, come ready to harvest that so we could go out there. We had permission to go out there and eat them. I remember going by and watching those fruit trees to grow. I mean, the apples and the uh, different fruits that she had. And I, I mean, I'm just, I was excited about those things. And they would get larger and larger. And then one day, finally, the time would come when uh, they were ready to harvest. And what I would do is I would go out there and I'd find the biggest apple that I could find. I mean, the biggest apple in the whole world, I thought, when I was a kid. And I would just crunch into that thing. I went to those trees. I found it. And, I, you know, I thought, oh, that's so good. I noticed one thing about those trees. I never once heard those trees groaning or straining and attempting to produce fruit. The fruit was just a natural process of those fruit trees. Fruit was there. We just had to pick them. There was no effort on the part of the trees, no special kind of programs, no, nothing like that had to happen. One day, the fruit happened. That is the way God made those trees. If you will live your life according to Psalm 1, the normal result is fruit. The normal result in a Christian life is fruit. Let me ask you, is there fruit on your trees? Is there fruit on your tree? Does anyone pick your fruit? You say, what do you mean? I'm talking about whenever you're witnessing, you're talking to people, and, and they ask you questions about, man, there's something different about your children. There's something different about this. They're picking your fruit. They're, they're, they're seeing that fruit, and they're seeing uh, a difference in your life. See, patience doesn't come from groaning and trying to be patient. It comes from the fruit of the Spirit. Patience, joy, love, and other fruits of the Spirit are just normal results for the Christian. We need to remember that. Then the next thing is we're preserved. The Bible says, His leaf also shall not wither. You know, the Bible says we are sealed until the day of redemption. You know, listen to this. Folks, if you're saved... You don't have to worry about uh, who holds your hand. You don't have to worry about who holds tomorrow because God holds your hand and he holds your tomorrow. You know, the Bible says this in Ephesians 1.13, And whom you have also trusted, after that you had heard the word of God, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also, after that you believed, notice this, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. We've been sealed to the day of redemption, folks. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing I can do. If you're truly saved, you've truly accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're sealed to the day of redemption. Then we're preserved. Then I want you to notice we will prosper. The Bible says that whosoever, uh, and whosoever and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. This is guaranteed success, folks. Why not put this formula to work and reap the good benefits? The Bible says this. Notice the next verse. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff, or the chaff which the wind driveth away. The ungodly. You know what un means? Without. Un means without. So when it says the ungodly, they are without God. 
says, they are not, they are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. They don't avoid sin. They, they don't absorb the scriptures. They don't achieve, they won't uh, achieve success. Those who do not follow verses 1 through 3 are like the chaff. They, they're going to be blown away. Blown at the least little bitty difficulty in their life. They'll never produce any fruit. They'll never have anything to offer others. Their life is a total failure. Total failure is to go throughout life and die not having produced the fruit that God has planned for you in your life. That would be to die a failure. You remember the Bible passage about the rich young man who gained the whole world and lost his soul? What's it matter if we gain the whole world and lose our own soul? He gave everything for nothing. What a failure. Another failure is to die and go to hell. Let me ask you today, is there fruit in your life? Is there fruit in your life? Are, are, when people look at your life, do they see, hey, there's something different about that person? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Have an abundant life. How do we do that? Avoid sin. Avoid sinful counsel and contempt. And, and Folks, we need to avoid those things. Abstain from all appearances of evil. But also we need to absorb the scriptures. Just take it all in. Then we'll achieve success.